As I thought through the scriptures for this week and the service for today, it seemed that rather than a specific sermon time, it might be interesting instead to meditate on each scripture in turn. So we're going to do that. So first we're going to listen to the words of Isaiah. Isaiah was preaching and prophesying in the city of Jerusalem about 750 BC, over 700 years before Jesus was born. Imagine, while you listen, hearing these words for the first time. Imagine waiting for the one that Isaiah is proclaiming. Comfort, O comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term, that her penalty is paid, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries out, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low, and uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all people shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All people are grass. Their constancy is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good tidings. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good tidings. Lift it up. Do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. See, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. His reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead the mother sheep. Nobody who heard Isaiah speak these words saw his prophecy come true. None of their children saw this prophecy come true. None of their grandchildren or great-grandchildren or great-great-grandchildren saw his prophecy come true. The world had to wait in Advent for 700 more years. What would, be it, what would it be like to wait, hoping, for your entire life? And what did those people, those generations that heard the message of Isaiah and waited for the Messiah, what did they do while they waited? Three seventy-seven. New earth, heavens new. Something that they were probably hoping for. Three seventy-seven. Let's stand if you're able.
Next, we'll hear from Mark. Written in this passage are the words of John the Baptist, a contemporary of Jesus, but about half a generation before him. John lived in the wilderness, dressed in camel hair, and was eating bugs and honey. I imagine he was a wild sight to behold. Imagine what you might have felt if you had been in that moment, hearing these words from John. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in the prophet Isaiah, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him, baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Imagine yourself as a person living in the time that John the Baptist was proclaiming these words. People of this time may have known, seen, heard Jesus as a child or as an adult. Their wait was over. And yet I wonder what they expected from this person who John the Baptist called powerful, this upside-down leader who arrived as an infant and grew to challenge the empires of the day. Had they expected a savior to come with swords and armor? Had they expected a god to tear down all the kings of the world? What would, be, what would it be like to expect one kind of savior and receive another? What might the people of this time have been waiting for? Two twenty. Prepare the way the prophet called, song about John the Baptist, familiar tune.
I'm going to pass out uh, small papers and a pen. You can take a paper or two and a pen if you need one. For our last scripture today, we're going to hear from Peter. Peter was one of Jesus' disciples and friends. He was a fisherman called by Jesus to a life of gathering people. Peter was with Jesus during his time of ministry, and he waited with Jesus in the garden before his crucifixion. So listen to what Peter has to say about waiting, writing to us from 2,000 years ago. But do not ignore this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like one day. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some think of slowness, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will will pass away with a loud sound, loud noise, and the elements will be dissolved with fire, and the earth and everything in it that is done on it will be disclosed. Since all these things are to be dissolved in this way, what sort of people ought you to be leading lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for the hastening of the coming day of God because of the tre because of which the heavens will be set ablaze and dissolved, and the elements will melt with fire. But in accordance with his promise, we wait for a new heavens and a new earth, where righteousness is at home. Therefore, beloved, while you are waiting for these things, strive to be found by him at peace, without spot or blemish, and regard the patience of our Lord as salvation. Jesus had come. Jesus had died. Jesus had risen from the dead and ascended to heaven. And now his followers gathered to, to wonder what next? What now? In Peter's time, those followers gathered and prayed, went out to other regions to continue telling Jesus' story, formed churches and house groups. Like us, they were waiting for Jesus' return. I imagine that if Advent, Advent had been a thing in those days, they would have experienced Advent like we do, a time of waiting for a baby who had already been born and lived, a time when we know that Christmas will come, a time waiting for the second arrival of our Savior. And Jesus calls us to not be still in our waiting. Our waiting should not be idle, as followers of Jesus, we are called to participate in God's work. During Advent, we wait for Jesus' birth. In Lent, we wait for Jesus' death, burial, and glorious resurrection. And the rest of the year, we wait for Jesus' return. Sitting and thinking and being quiet are all wonderful, good things. And Advent lends itself beautifully to that. But Jesus also calls us to movement, to join in the song, to partner and walk alongside and do. Jesus is always calling us back to return to our faith and to our community and to our longing for him.
So friends, I'm challenging all of us to think about what we might do while we are waiting. In this season, what do you need from Advent, and how might you use God's love to do something in our world? What are your gifts, and how can you use them? On your slips of paper, write these down as a way of offering both your waiting and your doing to God. These are all anonymous. Nobody's going to read them. And you can bring them and put them up here in this vase in the center of our Advent wreath during our next song. Two twenty-eight is Wait for the Lord. It's a lovely uh, Taizé song. So we'll just be singing it a number of times until I come up and close it off. So you can feel free to write, to bring your slips up, and we'll sing Wait for the Lord. <laughs> 